Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. I'll tell you what, it is going to be a dicey, dicey few weeks, few months, maybe, few years in Philadelphia with the Sixers. It's Canty and Carlin in for Grinny ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We will get to your calls very shortly on Joel Embiid, And the blame that he deserves over the last few years in the Philadelphia 76ers collapses because the whole situation continues to fall apart. And it leads us to James Harden. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? So we know what happened with James Harden. Obviously calling Daryl Morey a liar and saying he would never play for them again after uh, the Sixers stopped talking trade with James Harden. Now, here is Ramona Shelburne, ESPN NBA senior writer, telling us this um, this is only going to get worse. Somebody said to me yesterday, this is only the beginning. This is yep. just the beginning mm. of what James Harden is going to do to make life very uncomfortable for the Philadelphia 76ers going into training camp. And I think the expectation with, with Harden is, you know, that Ben Simmons, they went through this with Ben Simmons. He didn't show up to camp. He left money on the table. That's not going to happen here with James Harden. This is going to be very uncomfortable. Ben mm. Simmons stayed home, right? right? Like, if you heard anything, it was, it was it was not loud. This was, with a microphone, let me repeat myself and yeah. the phrase I kept hearing was this is just the beginning yep and so I think the Sixers have to ask themselves what are we prepared for how yeah. do we handle this is there any way that they can get through this and, and still have a productive season okay so here's the thing Harden said he wasn't going to play for any organization with Daryl Morey mm. so I thought for the moment that took away uh, operation fat suit as an option <laughs> but I hear this like by showing up, James Harden's going to make it a whole lot more uncomfortable than by not showing up, isn't he? Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. This is clearly a money grab for James Harden. It's not about being in a better basketball situation. Hell, you're playing alongside an MVP. And you're the second best option on the team. Uh, I mean, think about it. They, they had a, a successful season. Now, it wasn't exactly what they were looking for because they didn't get to the conference finals. They hadn't been able to break through that second-round playoff ceiling. But you're talking about them being a fourth quarter away in game six away from punching their ticket to go to the conference finals. That's how close they got. So with another year together with MB, with Harden, and growth from Tyrese Maxey, who's to say that they wouldn't be able to contend for a conference finals or an NBA finals appearance? I certainly wouldn't throw that out. So to me, this is not about the basketball aspect of it. This is about James Harden getting his money. And I can understand why he might be a little bit frustrated because he did give money back to Daryl Morey in order to give them more flexibility in the 2022 offseason. 
when moves when they went out and got Daniel House and they went out and got P.J. Tucker, they went out and got DeAnthony Melton. Like, they made all those moves because, of, in part, some of the money James Harden gave back. So I get why Harden is frustrated. But what I don't understand is how does this put you closer, if you're Harden, to what you're ultimately after, which is getting more money in more years? How does that happen? I See, we've seen the act so many times. Why is somebody again going to make that mistake you know why i don't is, think somebody is though yeah i don't think there's i don't think there's don't gonna think be so a either. team that's gonna do it though because if there were he would have opted out yeah if he if he came to the realization that the sixers weren't going to give him the contract he was looking for in terms of the money and for the years then he could have opted out and found that somewhere else but guess what he couldn't find it and you know why he couldn't find it because he was a no-show in five of the seven games they played against the Celtics in round two. He was a no-show. Big fella, he was a combined 16 of 63 from the field outside of the two games where he dropped 40. He scored 45 in game one with no NB. They stole home court, and he scored 42 in game four. Remember the corner three to push it into overtime and then yep. the three ball that ends up winning, being the winning, winning, winning basket? Like, Outside of those two games, where you can point to James Harden being the reason why the Sixers won, there, there are five other games in that series where you can look at it and say, man, James Harden is a part of the reason why we didn't have a shot. James Harden really has only had one play in his playbook personally for his entire career. And it worked a couple of times. But here's the problem. He's gotten older. He's not nearly in as good a shape as he used to be. And he has decided to try to employ this tactic once again to get what he wants, but he's not going to get it. Chris, here's what's mind-blowing to me. That you don't recognize at some point, especially this season, with what just happened, with all of the inconsistency you just detailed, that James Harden doesn't look at this and say, well, wait a second, I wasn't going to be able to go out and get the money on the free agent market. It wasn't there. So how do we get that money back? We go in the tank again? No. James Harden needed to alter his playbook to actually look like someone who gave a damn. To actually look like someone who in the offseason was going to get in incredible shape, come back, play amazingly for the Sixers, and then you throw the line in the water and get some other sucker to take a bite. If you play great this coming year, there's a much better chance for him to get that money. But, Canty, that's never been in his playbook. It's always, it's always go in the tank and do what I want because that's going to get me what I want. Now it doesn't work anymore. Well, yeah, what you were expecting is that James Harden would turn more into what we saw when Chris Paul was forced to leave, you know, and go to, to the Phoenix Suns. Remember what that Chris Paul was? Mm-hmm. How he had to reinvent himself? I think that was coming off of the OKC seasons. Yep. Like, he had to go and reinvent himself, and then he ended up getting a big bag in Phoenix because he showed the leadership intangibles. He showed the floor generalship. He, he, he was an extension of the coach on the court. That's who you have to turn into in your latter years once you're yep. past your prime if you're a point guard and if you're in Harden's situation. When you lose your athleticism, this is the way that you add value to the franchise, especially a franchise that's trying to change a losing culture. This is how you do it. And that's why everything that he's doing right now is counterproductive to his ultimate goal, which is getting the bag. There's not going to be a contender that's looking out there and saying, yeah, I want that guy with that attitude on my team. 
Hell, if you got a shot with the Sixers and you told the general manager that he's a liar and you don't want to be there, if I'm a general manager with another club, why do I want to bring that baggage into my locker room? You don't. You won't. And so that's what I'm saying. If you're James Harden, your best path to winning on and off the court is being the best version of yourself this upcoming season in Philly. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny. And, and then it leads us to this. Of course, Joel Embiid has scrubbed his social media of all relation, of all uh, mention of the 76ers. Yeah. That's the bigger problem for Daryl Morey. Well, Chris, is the championship window closed now? And an even bigger issue becomes Embiid and where he's headed beyond this because you can't look at what's happened in his tenure with the Sixers when they have had success and not at least partially blame him for their inability to get to the, at at the very least, the conference finals. No, I'm not going to sit here and blame Embiid. I'm not blaming him 100%, but he plays a role in it when his health has been a concern at different times in postseason. I mean, the guy has led the league in scoring in back-to-back years. He won an MVP. I mean, what, what more do you need, JoJo? The knock on him was he couldn't stay healthy, and he stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. He's played in 65-plus games the last two years. Like, what, what are you looking for from MB? Like, listen, the there are plenty finals. of people to there are plenty of people <laughs> to blame when it comes to the issues around the Sixers when, since we've seen Prime MB. There are plenty of people to blame. I mean, where do you want to start the list? You want to start with the front office? I mean, we can start there. Do we you want to start, start with, with burner co- accounts? <laughs> I mean, do you want to start with the coaching staffs? I mean, like they're, they're, the, the, the Ben Simmons of it all. Like there are plenty. There's plenty of blame to go around before you even get to potentially blaming Embiid. I, I don't know that. I don't know that it's fair to go there. I wouldn't put more than fifty percent of it. I wouldn't put more than thirty percent of it. But there's there's some in there. But it does lead to wonder if it's over in Philly. Uh, not just whether Embiid's going to be there long term, but is is this window at least right now completely closed? Like the only way to ever potentially save it to me is an absolute hail mary of somebody getting in Dame Lillard's ear and trying to ship Harden somewhere and somehow get picks to Portland. But that I mean that's beyond hail mary at this point. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And here's the thing. I think there are more pathways to Embiid headed out of town than him staying put, right? Because even if you throw money at the James Harden problem, if the team doesn't get any closer to a championship, who's to say that Embiid is not going to ask out next offseason, summer of 24? Who's to say that he's not going to want to position himself to go to somebody like the New York Knicks or maybe the Boston Celtics? Who's to say he wouldn't try to force his way out of town? Like, to me, like, it it just seems like if this team – doesn't get James Harden back on board and doesn't get closer to winning a championship, then then Embiid's ultimately going to ask for him ask to be traded, and that, and that's got to be a scary spot to be in if you're Sixers management, if you're a Sixers fan. I, I just I don't know how you make this right around Embiid to the point where he feels good about spending the rest of his prime in Philadelphia, and how he gets convinced that he can win a championship. Let's welcome in our resident Sixers correspondent, Cam Pratt, 
who, of course, is a son of the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, your you, thoughts? You make it sound like I have boots on the ground here. I'm just back in the control room in <laughs> Bristol. Uh, to be clear, I'm a Sixers fan. I do not want the Sixers to get rid of Joel Embiid. They're a better team with Joel Embiid, clearly. And I think he has nothing to do with the locker room dysfunction that is clearly coming from James Harden, Daryl Morey, and everything like that. I just need to push back a little bit on Canty's premise that he does not deserve any blame or doesn't deserve a lot of blame because he is literally the only person, I think, that has been there pretty much the whole time for all of these six playoff disappointments that have happened the past six years. You've had different teams, different coaches, different GMs at these certain points. Joel Embiid is the common denominator. Yes, he's been injured for a ton of that, and he's had, you know, battled different things and has been phenomenal in the regular season. But at some point, we have to hold him accountable, too, for falling short in these playoff losses because, you know, like Carlin says, he was injured, but yes, he was on the field. But he also didn't come up big in that series against the Celtics this past season either. So I think he has to take at least some of the blame for the guy who's been here for all of these collapses. Listen, he's been there because he's been the best thing that the Sixers could hold up for the process. No but doubt. About, and I think completely about, think agree about with how that. how ridiculous it was. I mean, from, from the outset with Sam Hinkie to the Colangelos, Brett yeah. Brown, uh, freaking Doc Rivers. Like, uh, Think about all of these other individuals, now Daryl Moore, that have been responsible for what the product has been on the court. Yeah. And we're going to sit here and blame the guy that just won MVP? No, it's not his fault that Ben Simmons was a head case and decided to pass the ball to Matisse Thibel rather than dunk the basketball in the Hawks series. That's not on Joel Embiid. It's it does, not on Embiid it, that Harden was a no-show in that series against the Celtics. It's not on him. It does have to kill Embiid that they opted to go with Ben Simmons as opposed to Jimmy Butler. Yeah. That's the other part. Whose decision was that? That yep. wasn't Embiid's? No. No, it wasn't. And that was – listen – the Simmons thing bothered me from day one there because you could see that coming. Cam, you could see that one coming. When he sat out the first year and he could have played halfway through and gotten some run with Embiid, now, you know what? I'm good. i got to get my $5 million bonus for being Rookie of the Year next year. I think you could have seen it coming to a point, but, I mean, you know, Ben Simmons is what he is now. He also was an all-star for three years, so they did have some time with him on the team, and then, you know, he completely falls apart in that Hawks series. That's on him. But I do think Embiid's weathered a ton of storms throughout his time in Philly, but he's also the guy that's been here the whole time when all this stuff has gone wrong. Well, here's the thing. The noise that around Embiid is going to start ratcheting it up. To what you're saying as a Sixers fan, people mm-hmm. are going to start talking about that more now, and, and that's even more of an impetus for him to get out of town. Like, if you want to turn around and blame him for all of the dysfunction that's going on in Philly, that's why he's scrubbing his social media account. Because if they're not going to put me in a situation where I can have success at the highest level and the fans are going to turn around and blame me because I'm the common denominator, then why the hell not get out of town? So, the question to you is, how much of this falls on Joel Embiid's shoulders, and is the Sixers championship window completely shut? 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, your chance. Next. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Daryl Noring is a liar. This battle has been going on behind the scenes all summer. James Harden is the equivalent of a guy who's on the verge of his fourth marriage. And I don't think he should be blaming Maury. I think he should be blaming himself. And what's Joel Embiid's role in... The lack of success in the postseason for the Sixers. How does all of it play together? We want to hear from you at 888-SAY-ESPN. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's hit it right now. Scott is up first on ESPN Radio. Scott, what do you got, bud? He gets everything pointed at him because he's, he's the big guy. But the numbers that this guy's been putting out for the year, even with his injuries, and with all the stuff that was going on, the Ben Simmons craziness, James Harden thinking that he is something that he's still not. Doc Rivers looked like he didn't want to even coach anymore, you know, and just gave up. So listen, I mean, I'm never going to put it on this guy. Listen, I'm not saying that he know he didn't have some of the faults, but listen, this guy came back from injury. He had no help. He went out there. He battled all the time. So listen, I don't agree at all. Joel should not get the blame for this. Not at all. Listen, I get it. And from your standpoint, uh, Embiid as a superstar, like Kenty, if you wanted to, you could somewhat compare it to Patrick Ewing with the Knicks, but the argument that people would have is that Embiid has had better players to play with than Patrick Ewing ever had. Like, Ewing took some flack, but never fully the same level of uh, responsibility as we might want to assign here to Embiid because he never had that same level of player. Yeah, let's not get it twisted. Embiid did have two other guys that were 20-point-a-night scorers in James Harden and Tyrese Maxey alongside him. And Harden led the league in assists last year. So it's not like he was, he didn't have any help. But when it comes to when it matters the most in the postseason, Harden was a no show a couple of games. And those couple of games mattered. Like it's enough for Harden to score two 40 point games in the conference semifinals. That's great. But him pulling a disappearing act in game six and game seven when they had a chance to close it out in game six on their home court in particular, when Jason Tatum is going crazy in that fourth quarter, Harden didn't step up at all, and, and, and as a matter of fact, he was a detriment. Not only was he not making shots, but he was turning the basketball over. You can't have those things happen and expect to be a championship contender. And, and so for Harden to be throwing a tantrum and be angry at Daryl Morey because the rest of the market has spoken in terms of what they believe his value is, I just think is a little bit ridiculous, and it's far-fetched in terms of him creating a path to get where he wants what he wants. He's not going to get the contract he's looking for by doing what he's doing now. He's just going to create more of a stink, and it's ultimately going to open the door for Joel Embiid to look elsewhere. 
Let's hit Jimmy next on ESPN Radio. Jimmy, what's going on, dude? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How y'all doing today? Good. Good. So um, I wanted to say that, of course, that window was never open with uh, with James Harden. And I don't think it was ever open when Ben was there. But the reason why I say that is because, of course, James Harden's style of play, like Kobe said, will, won't win games. Um, he's great with that ball, but I think the reason why you don't see like you don't see them being a potential NBA Finals championship team is because he's not going to play defense either. So, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have an issue with him, like them getting rid of James Harden at this point in time. It, it's, it's, not, it's not something for a championship mentality and also not his style of play as well. Go ahead. I don't know how you can say that, though, Jimmy. I mean, you're saying the window was never open, and, I mean, you're talking about them in 2019, 2021, and 2023 taking it to Game 7 in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. The window was open. The window was open. Like, yeah. you're talking about being one game away from getting to the Conference Finals and being one of the Final Four. The window was open. They just ben hadn't Simmons been able to capitalize. A couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's just it, the window was open. Like, let's not have revisionist history with this thing. But my point is, I don't know that they can get better. Well, let me rephrase that. I know they can't get better if Harden is going to have this attitude. It was a question mark how much better they could get even if you got James Harden fully on board with being invested in this team this upcoming season. So I, I just – this this is a this is another challenge for Daryl Moore to try to overcome. Not to mention they got a brand new coach in Nick Nurse, who's trying to you know get indoctrinated into that organization in that city and implement his system. Like you need James Harden to be on board if the Sixers are going to want to get to where they want to go. And if they don't break through, if they don't get to the conference finals or better, what does that mean for Embiid's future, big fella? I think there's a real chance that Embiid could ask out after this upcoming season because I don't have any confidence in what the product is going to be on the court. I totally agree. I, I, I'd be very worried right now if I were the Sixers that this is going to completely fall apart on me and he's going to ask out and everybody around the league is paying attention and they will be lining up to get him. What about Nasir in Philly? He's a good person to ask on ESPN Radio. Nasir, what do you got? Hey, how you doing? Good morning. Um... First thing I want to start off with, I definitely agree with your point about Hart. And he's not going to get whatever he's looking for, acting the way that he's acting. And truthfully speaking, I don't even think he's worth what he's looking for. Now, if they would have went to the championship, I think they'd have cut him a check. But that didn't happen. And my issue with Embiid, the only, the only problem I got with Embiid is he's not clutch where we need him to be. In those playoff games, when we really need him to be who he is, he, he just really doesn't do it. And that's my biggest issue, and he's been that way for years. This isn't something new with him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's fair. I, I, I don't think and that's – I, I, I don't do think, Nasir, Nasir, I don't think that's completely fair. I don't think he's been bad in these playoff games. And trust me, I hate to put it this way, but Kenty, I was kind of looking for that this year when we're watching these playoff games, like knowing full well that if he had been bad, he was going to take a lot of blame. He wasn't bad. He was, he was fine. They should have been able to win with him. It's not like he is Michael Jordan, okay? He is a great yeah. player, but he is not somebody that's going to be able to do it all in, on his own, and he did plenty to try to win. But to Nasir's point, I want to be fair here, Embiid didn't turn up once the postseason got here. Now, I get it. A part of that was due to the injury, but if you well, look at— what does at, turn up look like? Turn up is, what, 45 a game? Well, no, well, he's well, the MVP. Turn, uh, let, let me explain what turn up doesn't look like. 
turn up doesn't look like being 10 points a game off of your regular season average. He averaged 33 points a game in the regular season, averaged 23 points a game in the playoffs. Mm. The year before that, he averaged 30 points in the regular season. He averaged 23 points in the playoffs. Like, I, I need you to do a little bit more, not a little bit less in the postseason. Okay. That's, that, that's what I need. Now, listen, now, when I said I'm, not, fine, saying, I'm meant- not saying other people don't need to do more because that's not that. That's true. Other people need to be. James Harden's got to be better. Tyrese Maxey has to be better. We can't use the young excuse with him anymore. But there is room for improvement for Harden once, I mean, for Embiid once we get to the second season. And, and Cam, when I said fine, I didn't mean fine like fine. I meant fine in terms of Joel Embiid fine. Like, I thought he played well enough. I don't think he was Joel Embiid fine. He was nowhere near. the. And, yes, you know, he battled the injury, but he's nowhere near the player he was in the regular well, season. And, here's my and bigger, that's the player you need. Yes, and here's the bigger problem, okay? I am First of all, I am always the guy, as I've said about Rodgers, as I've said about other guys, if you're on the court, the injury doesn't matter. Um, but just the other fact is that he's not been healthy in the postseason. And I would argue that that plays a big role into it, it too. So he needs, like, I'm knocking him for not finding a way to stay healthier there, too. Yeah, but, I mean, listen, it's going to be criticism until you do it. We heard that same criticism about Nikola Jokic, and guess what? Yeah. They shut everybody up this year. And to me, that's what turning up for a big man looks like in the playoffs, what we saw from Jokic. Jokic and Embiid are the mm-hmm. two best big men in all of basketball. Embiid just got the MVP. The MVP race came down to those two guys. So I don't think it's far-fetched to ask Embiid to do more because if you compare what he did in the postseason to what Jokic did in the postseason, it ain't even close. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We continue to hear from you on Embiid's role in the Sixers' shortcomings in just moments and the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny, the podcast. The biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC. Canty believes it is the Baltimore Ravens with the Bengals right behind him. I got the Bengals in front of the Ravens by a few. Let's get the opinion of another one of our football analysts. It's Sam Acho, ESPN football analyst, who joins us right now. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny. Coming to you live from the Seaport District, Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Sam, appreciate the time, man. So who is the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC? Uh, Yeah, for me, it's got to be the Bengals. I mean, this is a team that's beat the Chiefs multiple times, a team that in the playoffs are wondering, man, are they going to beat the Chiefs again? We all know that Joe Burrow isn't afraid of Patrick Mahomes, nor should he be based off of his history. But then now we're seeing what has happened. The starting left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs 
has now left Kansas City. Now he's gone to go be the starting left tackle for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. What else are we seeing happening? We're seeing players taking pay cuts like running back Joe Mixon. They go and stay with the team. And so I think the Bengals are the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC, not only because they've done it before, but they're also building and rebuilding to do it again. Acho, yesterday the news of the day was Anthony Richardson being tabbed as the week one starter for the Indianapolis Colts. Now, of course, anytime this comes up with a rookie quarterback, it sparks the debate. Do you sit a rookie or do you allow him to play early on in his NFL career? Where do you come down on that specifically when it comes to Anthony Richardson? Well, I come down in this regard that there are no absolutes. There are very few absolutes in life. Right? I'm not going to say there's no absolutes. That'd be an absolute statement, right? There are very few absolutes. It's not like, oh, you never play a rookie or you always start a rookie quarterback. I think it depends. And in Anthony Richardson's case, I think it's a wise decision to name him a starter now because now it takes that not it doesn't take the pressure off, but it creates a different type of pressure. Maybe if for an elite player like Anthony Richardson, at least draft stock is shown it gives you a type of focus. You're not worried about, man, what do I have to do today to try and win the starting job because that's been my goal to be the starter. Now you've accomplished that. Now you can work on those little things, the intricacies of the game to prepare maybe for your first opponent, but now that weight is off your back of, am I the starter? Now there's a different pressure. We talked about it. Now you are the starting quarterback of an NFL franchise, but at least you're not worried about in the middle of training camp, man, okay, what I'd have to do to impress this coach or that coach or this receiver or that receiver. No, man, you're the starter. Now let's take that elite level of focus and pressure and put it on our next opponent. Kenty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM uh, Channel 80. Here's the other part that I would be concerned about with it, though. He hasn't played a ton, and, and we know the only way to get better is to play. But the accuracy issues that we saw last year uh, in his one full season of starting, and I'm going to put him out there potentially without my star running back out there. Mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be full. Exactly what do we do there at that point uh, to really start to figure out when the right time is to give Richardson that chance? Well, that is a big deal, to your point, uh, Carlin. Like, not having your star running back available, like the running back, Jonathan Taylor, who you said, okay, I'm going to have this guy be our, like our, one of the horses in our stable, so that we can ease our quarterback into this new offense, new coach, NFL, right? More Now you're getting more reps. Like, that's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And I get it. They drafted Evan Hall out of Northwestern, and there's other running backs who are available. But Jonathan Taylor has had proven success in the NFL. And you drafted Anthony Richardson with the thought in mind that I can hand it back to my big old back right behind me who's had proven success. And so whether it's injury or holdout or what have you, the fact that Jonathan Taylor is not going to be lining up behind Anthony Richardson is a big deal. Now, that doesn't say that you should sit him because Jonathan Taylor is injured or not there. No, you made the decision. Now you get a chance to just weed out all the noise, and hopefully you get Jonathan Taylor either healthy or back on your team so you can go back to um, the situation as planned when you drafted Anthony Richardson. Talking with ESPN football analyst Sam Acho on Greeny. And Acho, we heard from new Ravens offensive coordinator Todd Munkin yesterday, and he said that he welcomes as much input from Lamar Jackson as he can get. Now, we got a little bit of a glimpse in terms of what their philosophy on offense is going to be in their preseason game against the Eagles. Out of 60 snaps on offense, they were in 11 personnel 41 times so that's you know obviously we know three wide receivers one tight end one running back what do you anticipate 
seeing from this Ravens offense and how this new philosophy is going to impact Lamar Jackson's production? So I honestly don't know. And, and maybe you could say, well, go study Todd Monken and see what he's up for. Then you would know. But also you could also say, well, in the preseason, teams are going to show exactly what they're going to do, right? The 11 personnel thing is a big deal because you're going to be – 11 personnel doesn't show what plays you're going to run. But I think there's going, a little bit of, there's going to be a little bit of mystique into how will Todd Monken use Lamar Jackson? How will Todd Monken use Odell Beckham? Like what will happen with some of the other receivers, right? Will James Prochet – rise to an elite level? Will Rashad Bateman, that first-round pick from a few years ago, right after that COVID season, will he be healthy? Because when he's been healthy, he's been on the borderline of elite when it comes to production. What will happen? Will there be a resurgence with Laquan Treadwell? Like, all those things matter. And then defensively, right, will you be as good as you are before? And then special teams, right, they just signed DeAndre Houston Carson, special teams ace from the Chicago Bears. Like, will the special teams be able to carry the load? And so, as far as quarterback and Todd Monken coordinator – and then offense, I don't know. And maybe that's because, hey, I haven't gone back and watched Todd Monken and tried to ascertain what's going to happen with him and this offense and this quarterback. Right off, that's how we did it at Georgia. But I think the, the idea of the mystique matters. The idea of, hey, I'm not going to show you until maybe week one or maybe week five or maybe week seven. There'll be the new iterations of this offense matter. And lastly, I'll say this input also matters. Some coaches are very stern. Hey, this is what I do. I don't want nor need your input. Right out of coach like that in Chicago, Vic Sandro, he's the defense coordinator for the Miami Dolphins now, one of the best DCs in the game. And he knows what he knows. He's going to do what he does. He doesn't need your input. But other <laughs> co- coaches and coordinators, they take it. And that's fine, right? It's your personality. Like, I, and I think both ways can win. And so I don't think it's this huge, like, wow, Todd Mockin's listening to his quarterback. And that's why he's so great. No, I've been around great coaches who've taken input. I've been around great ones who haven't. It just depends on your personality, your experience, and what works for you. Canty and Carla with Sam Acho, ESPN football analyst. Uh, we heard Robert Sala last night uh, on Hard Knocks basically confirm what we all knew. The Jets' offensive line can be a problem. The question is, how big of a problem is this going to be? Well, it's, I'm not, the only problem is not the right answer, but it is the biggest problem, you would say, with this offense. You don't have a problem at quarterback. At least you don't think you do, right? You think Aaron Rodgers is going to get back to uh, two years ago, right, MVP level, not last year. They have a problem at running back, right? Brees Hall just got off the pup list, but even more so, you signed Dalvin Cook. They don't have a problem at receiver. You have the offensive uh, rookie of the year and Garrett Wilson, and obviously a lot of the pieces, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb pieces, um, that Nathaniel Hackett, that your quarterback had back in Green Bay. The question, as you mentioned, even, even CJ Uzama at tight end, you're good. Offensive line. That's the only problem. And I don't care how good of a quarterback you are, right? I'll say this, right? I got a chance to sack Tom Brady in my career. It's like a highlight. I tell my kids, boom, I sack Tom Brady. But it wasn't because, I, it wasn't because like, I was this great player and Tom Brady is this. No, it's because I beat the offensive lineman, right? I knew what player they're going to run, and I, and I beat the offensive lineman. I said, if I can beat this offensive lineman, it doesn't matter who's back there, right? It doesn't matter who's the coordinator, right? If I can beat my matchup. So, so defenses are going to say, sure, Gary Wilson, he's elite. Aaron Rodgers, Brees Hall, Dalvin If I can beat this offensive lineman, I'm good. You don't think Bradley Chubb in Miami is looking and saying, man, I'm going to beat these offensive linemen. You don't think that you heard Shaq Lawson in Buffalo saying, I'm the dog. Like, all these defensive linemen, pass rushers, can't you tell you, just like anybody else, it's winning your matchup. And I think, I mean, if I was a defensive lineman, I would say, man, I'm going to make a splash against this offensive line because it doesn't matter who the quarterback is when I'm winning my one-on-one. Sam, great stuff. Appreciate it, man. Thanks.
That's Sam Acho, ESPN football analyst. Canty and Carlin for Greeny, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, Sirius XM Channel 80 as well. I, I, I got to say, I am, um, I'm just happy to see you because in talking to you before the show, <laughs> it's clear that there was a chance that I might not see you today based on what happened in California. You went out to uh, wine country to celebrate your anniversary, correct? That is correct. So my wife and I spent a week and a half in wine country. We did the first five days in Napa Valley, and then we did the last four days in Sonoma. And so as everybody understands, both of them are valleys, and they're right by each other, separated by a mountain. Is that where they make Mad Dog? Uh, I don't think they make Mad Dog. Where's in, that vineyard? <laughs> in, in, in Sonoma Valley or Napa Valley. I'm pretty sure they don't. Sutter Home is there. So, I mean, you've got that, you know, you do have a gas station wine presence in yeah, wine country. Yeah, no, I think they make, yeah. I'm pretty sure that they make Mad Dog somewhere down in South Jersey. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Don't you don't you disparage Mogan Davis? Oh, they, I never they, would. They, they they are doing a public service by Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. <laughs> but anyway, um, so we're we're out there, and so for the first week, like I said, we're in Napa. The second week, we're in Sonoma, and they're separated by a mountain. And so our parents actually come out to join us on the second leg of our trip in Sonoma Valley. But we still have wine tastings in Napa Valley. So there's only one of two ways you can get to Napa from Sonoma. You either have to go over the mountain that separates the two valleys or you go around the mountain at the base of the valley range, uh, which takes about an hour and 15 minutes. And so me, I'm, I'm trying to go to the, the shortest path possible, right? The straight line. I want to mm-hmm. go straight, straight over the mountain. How bad could it be, right? I mean, there is a road there. It's two lanes. So how bad could it be? Big fella, it was awful. It was, it was life-threatening. I knew I was in trouble when I made the turn on the Trinity Road, and that's the road that goes through the mountains. I knew I was in trouble when it said the speed limit was 10 miles an hour. And how I knew I was in more trouble is that as we were going up the road, which means up the mountain, we're hundreds of feet in the air, there are no guardrails. There's no shoulder on the road. There are no guardrails on the road. So this is literally rolling the dice with your life, driving on this road. I, 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 bro, I will promise you they named it the right name. It's Trinity Road. In order to survive, you need the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> my dad was sitting there jumping in my lap because to the left of us was the mountain range and to the right of us was a freaking cliff. Oh. And I'm like, Pops, you're not helping the situation. You moving on my side of the car is not going to make you safer from the edge of the cliff. Did you get that feeling of, of like, your your bottom kind of dropping out of you when you're yes. looking down at yes. that? Yes, it, it was a sickness oh. because you realized how high you were. Oh, God. That's the scary part. You're, 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 put it this way. San Francisco is an hour away. You're high enough where you can see San Francisco. Oh, wow. Think about that. It's an hour away. You're that high. So it's the scariest feeling in the world. And just to have no guardrails is absolutely ridiculous. Why would they have no guardrails? We're in wine country. Ain't no shortage of money. You don't got enough money to put guardrails up? And here's the Peter Resistance. Here's the best part about it. They had a sign on the road that said no passing school buses. What the hell are school buses doing up there? What is a school bus going to do up there? Up there. I mean, it's nearly sake, impossible I'm to drive a rock that road. To come save you. 
Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcasts.